James. We'll read from the first chapter of James, the verses 1 through 12. So James chapter 1. Verses 1 through 12. And you may recall that earlier this year, when I was here to preach, we looked at the verses 1 through 8 in two separate sermons, and today we'll continue in that series on James. And in the first verses, he speaks about the need to count it all joy when we meet various trials. And then in the next part, he will talk about also how we react when we are faced with trials. So James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation because, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him so far. Let us now sing Psalm 139, the stanzas 1, 2, and 13. I may proclaim the word of our God from what we find in James chapter 1, the verses 13 through 18. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So far. After the sermon, we will sing hymn 63. The stanza seven and eight. Mm-hmm. 
theme for the sermon is the word of God regarding the great evil of temptation. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, every Christian knows from experience that the life of a believer is not without trials and difficulties. The trials come upon us because the Lord is testing the genuineness of our faith. Our, are we prepared to put into practice what we say we believe? Trials are not pleasant, and yet they are good for our spiritual growth and maturity. And this is why James, in this letter, tells us that we are to count it all joy when faced with various trials. Those who persevere through trials are greeted with a powerful beatitude. As he writes in verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Trials are never easy. In fact, we need to pray for the wisdom to count it all joy and to see any good in trials, troubles, testing, and tribulation. It is never easy to confess God is great and God is good when trials are staring us in the face, causing us severe pain, suffering, and intense grief. And it is during such times that we will wrestle with God's purpose and plan. If the Lord loves me, we might ask. And if he is truly good, why is he allowing me or my dear ones to experience such heartache and trouble? If God doesn't seem to care, why should I care about anything? Why not turn to something that will give some enjoyment in life? And that's when we may be tempted to go down a path that dulls the pain or shuts down the hurt we feel so intensely within our hearts. When we are disillusioned and doubting, whether God really cares. That is also when we are most vulnerable to give in to temptation. We're tempted to lay the blame for all our own personal woes and the world's woes, wars and worries at God's door. How can God allow such things? We cry, lament and protest with the built-in accusation that if he were good and loving, he would not allow them. We are tempted to join the chorus of those who do not believe in God and yet accuse him of failure to do the things that he ought to do if he did exist. We forget that the reason evil, suffering, and tribulations have come upon us is because of our own propensity to evil. 
and the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change from whom proceeds every good and perfect gift, he could just as easily respond to us and say, well, excuse me. While we are talking here about who allows what, let me point out that thousands of children are dying every minute in your world of preventable diseases that you have the means, but obviously not the will, to stop. How can you allow this? There are millions dying of starvation while you are killing yourself with gluttony and poor eating habits. How can you allow such suffering to go on? You don't seem to have any qualms knowing that millions have less per day to live on than others spend on a cup of coffee. While some of you have more individual wealth than whole countries. Why do you allow? And why do you feed this kind of attitude by paying your young athletes exorbitant amounts of money so that you can, about, that you can boast about their talents? Why do you allow charity to be more than the exception than the rule? There are more people in slavery now than in the worst days of the pre-abolition slave trade. How can you as people allow that to happen? How can you allow women to be exploited through pornography, to be abused by men in the name of religion, even as you shout and protest for women's rights? There are millions living on the knife edge of human existence because of wars, civil strife. And you are not only allowing that to happen, but you fuel it, including many of you, many of you who say you believe in me. Well, with all of this buzzing through our heads, Isn't it wonderful and encouraging to read the words of our text? For when we are assaulted by temptations, by the temptation to blame God for what we have happening in our lives and in the world around us, when there are forces trying to persuade us to doubt, discourage, demoralize and dishearten us, The Lord, as the loving shepherd of his sheep, cautions and warns us, don't go there. Don't take the bait. Don't let the thoughts of your heart or any subsequent actions lead you to question my goodness. And as we proceed with this, it is good for us to know the difference between trials and temptations. Whereas trials in life are meant to draw us closer in our walk with the Lord, temptations distract and divert our attention from the Lord. And it is noteworthy that James does not say, let no one say 
if he is tempted, but let no one say when he is tempted. That's the reality we face. The word of God is often more realistic than we are. It doesn't say, well, if you trust in the Lord and pray hard for the wisdom to face life's sorrow and frustrations, you will never doubt and you will never question the purpose and the perfect ways of the Lord and you will be temptation free. All of us face temptations and they are most intense when confronted with trials. The bait is dropped in front of us, tempting us to follow a wrong path and come to wrong conclusions. So temptation takes us off the road that the Lord has designated for us to walk. And anything that distracts us from serving the Lord with an undivided heart is a temptation. Temptation offers us a way that seems to provide better solutions than found in Scripture. But in the end, it leads to death and not to life. And what we need to keep in mind is that temptation never, ever comes from the Lord. God never solicits us to sin. That would be a complete denial of his very nature. Why would the Lord, whose very character is good, tempt us to do something that is evil? So we are to take full responsibility when we yield to temptation. The reason we give in to temptation lies within our own sinful hearts. That is where sin is conceived. And these are the things that are impressed on our hearts as we turn our attention to the wisdom of God in this short letter of James. Through the instruction given to us in the verses of our text, the Lord gets us to place temptation under the lens of the microscope of his word to dissect, observe, and analyze its character, force, and power. And when we place temptation under the microscope of God's word, we observe five things about its character. The first thing we notice is this. The reason why we yield to temptation lies squarely with our own desires. It makes no sense, it's nonsense, to throw blame at God. The Lord who created all things good is not the cause of evil. He does not bring trials on our path with evil intent. He loves, cares, and seeks to save you from your sins, not to destroy you. It's when our own desires do not line up with God's purpose that we are tempted to follow the dictates of our own hearts that we are tempted to think about life, God, and others in ways that we shouldn't. He never puts such pressure upon you 
through trials that you cannot help but make bad choices or come to wrong conclusions and decisions. Instead, he sent Christ to deliver us from it. Paul writes to the Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. So the way of escape is in him. In the redemption and renewal of our life, more on this later. James could not state it more clearly. The reason why temptation takes hold of us is because we are lured and enticed by our own desires. We are inclined to follow. We, we are inclined to, to put the blame for all the wrong where it doesn't belong. And so we need to realize it is our own heart that acts as a dictator. When we feel entitled to a good life, to material, physical, emotional well-being, free from pain and hurt and suffering, trials will upset us and lead to wrong conclusions about who God is. And the second, in the second place, we are to be aware that we are only tempted by the things we find attractive. We are lured and enticed by our own desires. We are not drawn away, lured or enticed by things that don't do anything to us. If what we want out of life is pleasure or financial security then we will fall for the lure that tempts us to pursue our dreams and we will be dragged away from the things that are of first and primary importance. And the word lured, as used in our text, carries with it the idea of the baiting of a trap. And enticed in the original means to bait a hook a hunter and a fisherman use bait to attract and catch their prey. And no animal is deliberately going to step into a trap and no fish will knowingly bite a hook. The idea is to hide the trap and the hook. Well, temptation is like the bait in a trap. The bait not only attracts us, but it also hides the fact that yielding to the desire will eventually bring sorrow, punishment, and even death. And since our view, our vision is skewed by what we want, we end up asking wrong questions and fail to ask a very basic question. What does God and his word have to say about this. And the third thing we note about temptation is this. 
when we are tempted, we become preoccupied with the things that are distracting us from serving Christ. Once what is tempting you to take a different path gets into your mind and takes up residence there, it is hard to tell it to leave. Once it has entered into your mind, you are in great danger of letting it dictate your actions, reactions, and interactions with others. You no longer see what God is doing in your life as his way of shaping and molding you for his glory. But you would get absorbed in those things that are to alleviate your pain or take away your loneliness or solve your problems. And is that not the great danger of our times? We are constantly looking for things that will fix our problems and allow everything to run the way we want. We become preoccupied. We're finding our own solutions to everything because we feel we have a right to all things pleasant. Why should we have to deal with anything negative? And closely tied to this is the fourth characteristic of temptation. Once it takes hold of your life, it conceives sin. Desire and temptation get intimate and conceive sin. And once they have conceived sin, the fifth thing is sure to happen. They do not give birth to life, but death. They take the joy out of everything and make life miserable. Well, having identified five deadly characteristics of temptation, we also need to be aware of when we are most vulnerable to yield to the powerful magnetic field of temptation. If you and I are not close to the word, And if we are not drawn by the magnetic pull of the Holy Spirit who pulls us closer to the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God, we will be defenseless against the power of temptation. Actually, we give ourselves away, don't we? When we say things like, well, I'm sorry, but God's word doesn't speak to me. We are not close enough to the word to allow its positive force to draw us nearer to God. And so as we come to understand the character of temptation, may it give us reason to pause and to pray that we may not be taken off course or drawn away, but that we should see clearly the need for Christ's saving work. Jesus Christ has redeemed us by his blood and he gives us his spirit and his word to keep us from the lure of temptation. And through the power of the spirit, he gives us all the tools we need to know what is right, to think what is right, to do what is right. 
Temptation comes to us with modest and seemingly innocent proposals. But always be on guard against its real intentions. The result will only be death and ruin. Verse 15 says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. When temptation is brought into contact with our desires, it conceives sin. Did you ever think of that? Sinful desires and temptation have a grandchild. But there is no joy associated with this birth. When the child of sin, that temptation and desire conceived, grows up, it gives birth to death. Brothers and sisters, when you are tempted to doubt, to rebel, to raise an angry fist against God. Turn to Christ. Take up your cross and follow Jesus who resisted all temptation to deliver you from evil. And Christ is able to sympathize with all your weaknesses because in all his trials and his sufferings, he was tempted as you are. Why do you think he was fervent in prayer in the hour when he was tempted? In his human nature, he was tempted to follow a direction that would have kept him from the suffering of the cross. He cried out, why? Why, God? Why have you forsaken me? Christ had to withstand many temptations that came from the devil and from those who were dear to him. He beseeched his heavenly father to keep him from temptation's lure. But Jesus never allowed temptation to take hold of him since it was his heart's desire to do his father's will in everything. While in the wilderness, he was able to ward off the temptations of the devil with the weapon of scripture. Three times he said it. It is written. Well, let me conclude with three things that we need to know. And before you start thinking, wow, he's a minister and he managed to keep the sermon short. To work our way through these three parting thoughts will take more than 30 seconds. It's like the Apostle Paul writing finally and then taking a few chapters to get to his conclusion. While moving away from this distracting little soliloquy, what then are the three things that you and I need to know? The first Know the tactics of the opposition. Don't be driven by impulse, but see through the deception of temptation. Don't be deceived and let temptation play with your desires, feelings, and emotions. Don't let them share the same room. 
Because temptation is not a friend, but an enemy of God's purposes. The more you and I are gripped and enthralled by love for the Lord, the less the power temptation will have over us. So the first thing we need to, be, to do is to be on guard and to be ever watchful. And in the second place, to avoid giving in to temptation, you not only need to know the tactics of the opposition, but you need to be convinced of the goodness of the Lord. The tactics of the evil one is to deceive. Especially faced, when faced with trials. And then to make me think that God is never good. Or rarely good. Or not good when I need him most. But James wants us to know that the Lord is always good. And certainly good in my greatest time of need. I will always come up short if I give in to temptation and struggle under the weight of wrong desires. But what I need, my God provides. James assures me that every good we need is in him, and that is why he writes, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Even in the midst of trials, the Lord gives gifts to us so that we might be able to press forward in faithfulness to him. And the gifts of God are life and light and they are perfect for us. His gifts are good. And that we never have to wonder whether God is doing something that will ruin us. His actions are perfect in that they are always adequate for what we need and will always accomplish his purpose in a given situation. I do not need to second guess God's gifts to me. He will supply me with what I need for every circumstance. And this is why my eyes are to be on the Lord in my struggles and my questions. Because he is wholly reliable. God is good. His character is not like that of temptation and sin that give birth to death. He gives us birth through the word of truth. So that we can live in harmony with his gracious desires, God intervenes and through the conception of the Holy Spirit brings forth life, new life in Christ. He changes us through the word of truth so that we should be a kind of first fruits, that we should be the first indication of what he is doing in this world to restore and renew creation to the luster and glory of creation. Yes, out of all creation, God is doing a glorious work through those he is shaping and purifying 
through the fire of trials. He sets apart those who those he renews as a kind of first fruit, as the first to show the evidence of his good and gracious work. Those he takes through trials are a kind of first fruit, indicating God will make all things new and perfect. So there's three things we need to know. First, we are to know the tactics of the opposition. Then we are also to realize the goodness and the grace of the Lord. And in the third place, as a child of God, I need to know and be convinced of the transforming power of the gospel, of the word of truth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. What's my problem when I yield to temptation? I have forgotten who I am in Christ and how God is working in my life and in the life of his people through the word of truth. Well, my dear brothers and sisters, when faced with trials and temptations, may the first words that come to your mind be what James says when concluding this topic. Don't be deceived. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father, the heavenly lights. Know for certain that the Father of the heavenly lights is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And may the words that just come prior to where our text began encourage you to stay focused on God. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen.